What am I to do? Welcome to Razor Branding Podcast with Jackie Russo. To learn more about how to improve your brand, visit brandrusso.com. With us today is Alex Lazard. He is minister at uh, Destiny of Faith, and he is going to talk about what it's like to been a part of having to um, comfort people and still spread the word during this time of pandemic and what it was like to do church online. And now, uh, because when we booked Alex to now, we've also obviously seen a big change in the world um, with respect to George Floyd and the protests. So we're going to talk pandemic and protest. Alex, welcome to the show. Awesome. Welcome, welcome. So excited to be here. I see you've got your hair done too. Uh, well, actually, let me tell you something. This is courtesy of my electric razor. So thank you, Gillette. I appreciate you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so we've been good. Oh, good. Look, David Baudouin's listening. He said, Alex is such a needed voice at this time. Already you got fans. We haven't even started yet. Man, I love him and his family. They are awesome. Love them. I have loved Tara for over 20 years, longer than David has loved her. Let me tell you something. You can ask her. I promise you. I literally just put an order in. She has a line of greeting cards. Oh yes, they're very nice. I just put an order in on yesterday, and so, but they're very near and dear to my heart. Love. Oh no, great, great, great people. Uh, We uh, we worked with Tara when she was still a print rep, and so when we first started the agency, she was like our first vendor and held our baby hands through the whole process of taking care of our clients. And um, I regularly talk to David about how much he outkicked his coverage. You know. You hear that, man? He's what you talking about, man. Oh, he knows. He knows. And they're neighbors, too. So we get to be friends and neighbors. It's oh, awesome. Good. Man, I love that. All yeah. right. So let's go chronological. Let's start sure. with pandemic first. Talk to cool. me about the pandemic pivot and what y'all did. Yeah, the pandemic pivot. I think I heard somebody say that that needs to be a new line dance. So I'm mm-hmm. waiting. That's my, take, I love that idea. Let me say, and it takes someone from Louisiana to be able to record this. So I'm hoping that maybe um, somehow, some way, Cupid hears what we're talking about. And he created <laughs> the pandemic pivot. Yes. But, uh, but let me tell you something. It was so interesting. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of people know that our ministry is located on the north side of Lafayette and we're, we're nestled in the community that God allows us to steward and support and love on. Uh, we've been we've been here for close to 20 years now. We celebrate 20 years in January. So we're, we're really happy about that. And uh, it was founded by my parents, uh, Ken and Mary Lazard. They are active today. They um, You can find him teaching every Sunday on the pulpit and you can find her in the office working every day. So, you know, very much um, a, a heartfelt movement. But um. But when we did this pivot, you know, we were we were in a very interesting place already because we've only been in our facility for a year. And so we were, um, you know, doing all the things that you would come to expect with anyone who just moved into a new location, you know, and, and getting energy and taking care of people and helping people settle in and helping people find their space and their home. And uh, we went from a, um, a strip center where we had some tenants and some partners there to our own building. And that um, has been an interesting transition. So we were in the middle of that. And so when this came, it was like, OK, so the building that we just worked hard to get in, don't go to it. <laughs> and uh, and so it really forced us to look at our vision um, our vision of, of our church is to see people thrive through Jesus so it's very important that we help people thrive 
Um, see people thrive through Jesus spiritually, economically, and socially. Those three things um, make up the vision of our ministry. And so we have the opportunity, like, okay, how do we launch this vision? How do we enforce, execute this vision without the building? And it became easier than we thought once you kind of go there. And, and, you know, we talk about it all the time, right, that a church is not the location, it's the people, that it's it's not the four walls, it's the group of people. Um, and this moment allowed us to really like do that and mean it. And so it was something good that that, that we learned from. We, we brought all of our content online, all of our small groups went to virtual meetups. Um, I talk about this often, but I believe that Zoom made so much money. <laughs> it is unreal because every church I know for sure started leaning on Zoom and it's like, we're gonna do something because we gotta protect community. And so, so it's been it's been challenging at times because before you get to touch and feel people every week and you kind of see them and and you know that they're doing good because you can lay your eyes on them and now you're just taking their word for it and and that's been easier some weeks and it's been harder some other weeks you know right. we've had to pray with a lot of people um, who've walked through tragedy. We have family members in our church who have lost loved ones because of COVID. We have family members of our church who um, are still uh, being, you know, contracting the disease as well. So it is nowhere near over. Um, we are still implementing social distancing. We're still encouraging everyone to be mindful and be safe, stay healthy, um, um, you know, get a good get good get a good walk in every now and then so you can get some good air, right? And and keep your keep yourself hydrated, wear your mask. So we're still, you know, putting those things in place and trying to help our people stay safe and stay healthy. And um, we haven't gone back to service yet. We are still virtual. Um, some of our friends are starting services on this weekend. And so we're going to be, um, you know, kind of leaning in and, and, uh, and praying for them this weekend, but we're still virtual right now. Um, and uh, we'll, we're going to be that way until we kind of see some of our congregation um, get healthier. And so, but we're thinking about creative ways that we can still like create moments and, and, and provide those opportunities to come together because it's needed. It's really, it's really needed. So in a nutshell, that's what our pandemic pivot was. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, now I know you have a, a good size percentage of your congregation is older and maybe not yeah. as technologically savvy. Did, did y'all do IT lessons? Did y'all walk them through Zoom class? That is such a good question. We had so many leadership meetings where we talked about this. We had people be like, I don't know how to find you on Facebook. What is, you know, what is that? Did you know, is it Google? And so, so we definitely had to like talk to some people. We, we do have a very community feel so we had some of our friends go to go to their house and be like hey this is how you do it or or some neighbors people who they were already comfortable with would call them on the phone and talk to them and walk through them with and we'll put the youtube link out but honestly we're still figuring out you know there are some people that they are still they're just finding out matter of fact one story is this there was an older person who's a member of our church and the way that they would hear the message is their daughter would call them and put them on speakerphone so they can hear, hear it through the phone. And we're like, oh, God. We thought about everything. We was like, okay, well, maybe we can get some iPads. Maybe we can try to get some iPads donated and then give it. And then we were like, but well, wait a minute. What if the iPads aren't disinfected? Oh, my goodness. We're spread, like, you know, we were trying right. to figure it all out. But, um, but yes, but it is, it is definitely a situation. And, you know, growing up, not every generation embraced technology. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm just saying that they didn't have to. It wasn't necessary. 
they were able to live their lives, raise their families, be successful on their jobs without needing to embrace technology. And all of a sudden, with the, with the blink of an eye, um, you know, technology became the only way to continue to have community. And, uh, and so for a group of people, it was nothing new. It was nothing different. It was more of the same. But for another group of people, it was extremely challenging. It was very intimidating. And it was deeply disappointing because all they knew was gone. Even in the world that they lived in, when you had outbreaks at that time, they still were able to go out places because social media wasn't there. Right. So they didn't know it was as drastic as it was. And the information they was given was just, hey, take a nice walk. Right. And now we're telling them, no, you can't even take a walk. You need to stay in your house because you're compromised. And you need to go get a phone that you don't have. And you need to log on to YouTube that you've never been. And you got to believe that you're doing it right. <laughs> well, and so, then there's the fear of loss, right? Because not only have they lost the community of the church and their friends and their neighborhood, yeah. but also loss of employment, uh, yeah. loss of income, um, physical loss as people have gotten sick and passed away. It, yeah. it is. A, it has been months of a very scary time for people. It has. It has scary and and un and it's the unknown. You know, right. we talk about that all the time, right? Fear of the unknown. Right. Um, um, even if what I know is devastating, I'm not as fearful because I know it. But I but I'm more fearful when I don't know what to expect. When I don't know what to think, how to feel, what to do. When I don't know. Um, it challenges me. And that's 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 what a lot of people's rhetoric and that's where their statements have been. And, and that's what we have the church. We, we've come alongside them not to tell them to think differently, but just to show them another way. Um, right. Like as you're walking through this journey, as you're walking through this path, here's some things, you know, be confident in the fact that, that you made it through so much. <laughs> you know, you've made it through, you know, wars and you've made it through, you know, local issues and tragedies. You, you've lived through so much. You can live through this. And so we've just been really encouraging them and letting them know that there's hope on the other side. Um, and then at the, at the same time, just continuing to teach about biblical principles. And so it's been an interesting journey, but it's been one that's that's grown me. It's evolved right. me to leader for sure, for right. sure. Yeah. Um, not to dig into your business, but I am curious, yeah. Yeah. have y'all been able to pass the plate? I mean, are you still able to do collections online Whoa. or y'all just put all that aside? How do you do that? Yeah. So, yeah, we're still, yeah. So we still have online giving, which we okay. did that before, before okay. we even transitioned. Um, we are one that we leaned into internet giving uh, because it is just a flow of people. And so um, even before the pandemic, you know, our website is set up just like every other nonprofit's website to be able to Good. take donations, um, just like other nonprofits may have applications or text messaging protocols to be able to take giving. We can do the same thing. And right. so, we, we definitely appreciate the people of this community because of their donations. We've been able to continue our mission work. We've been able to continue the beautification of Truman. We've been able to continue taking care of homes and continue picking up trash and continue, you know, we're, we're in the process of actually setting up a food pantry. And, and there's so many things that we've been able to continue to do because of people's commitments. Now, there are some people who said, listen, I want to bring it to the church. And we're like, okay, well, you can go online. No, 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 no. I want to bring it. <laughs> To the church, I said I want to bring it to the church, and so you know, so we have to even create a system for those who want to bring it physically because it's sacred, right? What you choose to invest in is important, 
It's sacred. It means something. It's it, it's doing something. And so a lot of people take that very, very seriously. Um, and it's sacrificial for them. And they want they want that mean. They want to know that I brought it to a physical place. And so for those, we still have a box and you know, we're able to receive it and pray over it and all those things. But um, but yeah, but we, we have e-giving um, um options and those um never went away and people continue to utilize them throughout the pandemic. You know, you just touched on something that's very important, and, and I want to highlight back to that is yeah. the relationship with giving and when it's really important, making those investments. So yeah. I have had the opportunity to know your dad for years, and I got yeah. to visit when you were at your old location in yeah. the Strip Center yeah. and see the beautiful physical church that y'all have built. Um, and as I understand, if I am remembering my history correctly, you built that church debt free. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. So so when we started this journey, you know, most people start this journey with a big, um, you know, loan and like, hey, we got it. Let's go. And that was not our story. Right. <laughs> our story, it took us, matter of fact, it took us um, five years to do it. Um, we broke ground in 2014. We moved in 2019. And some people would be like, five years. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it took us five years. Um, now, in the end, there were some things that we needed and we were able to have some people step up. And that included a couple banks. But um, but that didn't happen until, you know, we were we were there and we just really wanted to make sure that we could do some things effectively and uh, in, a, in a responsible way. But uh, but the, but we turned to dirt. We paid the plans. We got steel. We got concrete. We had AC. We had electricity. We had wires ran. We had rebar built. We had roofs put on. We had ceiling installed. I mean, listen, we we came in, and and by we, I mean hundreds of people, hundreds of people gave consistently over five years. You know what type of mindset you gotta have? I don't know if I can even show up at the same workplace for five years. Give, right? But but it was all made possible to your point of all the people um that, that were committed and, and these weren't people that just attend our church on a spiritual basis. These are also people in the community who just saw it. I was like, oh my goodness, we need this investment. We need a win. We need this. There's not many things that's happening. We need it. And they continue to do it. And that that's something that I'm always going to be so grateful and thankful to be a part of an organization that other people um, are not only interested in, but they're, they value, they value enough to sacrifice for it to succeed. And so, yeah, but to answer your question, um, um, a huge portion, everything in those first four and a half years right. was all done by the cash of people who sacrificed weekly, monthly, annually, so they can see something be done in a community that hasn't had an investment like this in a very long time. Right. And I've had the opportunity to meet with y'all a couple of times in, yeah. with Monique Boulay and the yeah. Indiana Planning Commission yeah. um, because of the work y'all are doing for building out um, housing in the community. Yeah. So can yeah. you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that is so impressive. Sure. sure, sure. So so something that we that that's always been on the heart of my dad, Ken and Mary, is wanting to see um how do I want to explain this? Because I want to give good um, appreciation to what they've done. Uh, they've always wanted to see um, other people have opportunities um, um, that extend their desires. And what I mean by that is lots of times you can believe something in your heart, but you don't really know how to manifest it. You don't, you don't know what steps do I take to actually do this. So, for instance, if there's someone that really believes like, hey, I've never really had a college graduate in my household, but I believe that I can do it. I believe I can go to college. Like I, I believe I can do it. But they but they they struggle with what steps do I take to do something that I've never seen? 
And so we found is there was a lot of people um, who, who it's not that they didn't have the ability to own their home, but but they just never really seen, they never really seen in a young way, like I, like I want to do it. What do I do? What's my next step? And how do I not make a terrible decision that I end up bankrupt at the end of this? And so it opened up this opportunity to do that. And at the same time, we need re- we needed reinvestment in this community. We needed people to intentionally choose, I'm included, intentionally choose to invest and to build here. We needed people to choose North Lafayette. Yeah, I know. And there's so many other places. There's so many other beautiful developments that's being built. But we needed people to say, hey, listen, I want to choose choose to invest here. And, uh, and and that caused us to really like start this movement. And so we, we've been able to do about 14, I think we're at the 15th home now, um, where we've been able to move a family in, help them build their home. And, and but we're recruiting people to live here um, because as you start to diversify the community and marry community and bring people of resources into the community, you can really start to see that beautification, that pride go to the next level. I can't tell you how great it is to live in this area with existing residents who've been here for 20, 30, 40 years and new residents who just come within the last two, three, four years and see them come together on events, partner together to see great things happen, stand up when they see wrongdoing happening and and being a voice to the police department and just, just really stand up for this area. It's been beautiful. But to answer your original question, yeah, we a part of our work is rebuilding. Um, um, in, in the vision statement of to see people thrive through Jesus, um, part of that is the natural reality of your family. We believe that God is for family. We believe he's for stewardship, which is just making wise decisions with what we've been given. And that's what we've been able to help people do tangibly on the ground help you make a wise decision for yourself if you're single or your family so that you can continue to thrive in this world right now. And uh, and yeah, but we're on the 15th home. It's beautiful. Some days it's it's crazy, but but it's really, really nice. It's, it's a beautiful thing to be able to do. To me, that's what church is supposed to be about, right? Yeah. It's the community coming together. It's the people. And then it's about that investment into the community yes. with the surroundings. And what yeah. I see you all doing house after house after house, 15 yeah. houses so far yeah. and counting. Yeah. To, I mean, that's the goal. That's it. That's I it. love that. That's it. And, and let me tell you something. There's an article. So I'm not sure if you remember Nathan North. Oh, was, yeah. Okay. So Nathan um, did this article some time ago about um, about church and redefine what church means. And he, and he alludes to a little bit of the model that we've been able to do, which is it's not, it's, yeah, the, the building matters, yes. And, and, and the sacred experience matters, yes. Um, but when we get to a place where it's affecting the community at large, is when we're really going to see change. We're really going to see things be different. And when you look at a campus, when you look at a neighborhood, and you look at a development being spearheaded and moved by this by these major players, including the church, that stand up and push it forward. And so, like in our area, right, we have the church, we have SWLA, we have an elementary school, we have the King Center, um, we have some great stakeholders. I mean, we really have the bones of something that can go on and has gone on to be a model in other communities to where you see this entity where it's really just all these different major players coming together to make sure that that neighborhood thrives, moves forward, and is well taken care of. 
you know, when I hear you talk, I hear a little bit of your dad coming out in you. And I hear a little bit of your one Acadiana background and your vision (laughs) for community investment and community development. So it's almost like you wear both hats from the the preacher and the business person. (laughs) I'm not not even going to deny that. I'm not going to deny it. (laughs) But that's a good thing. Uh, Michelle Seymour Ezel asks, are your services streamed, which you answered. And um, I know the times have been shared on the screen for anybody who wants to uh, tune in. That's Um, exactly correct. Yeah, we stream on YouTube and Facebook every Sunday, every Wednesday at the time. It's displayed at 10 and 7. And so you go on our Facebook page, you search Destiny of Faith. You go to YouTube, search Destiny of Faith. You'll find us very simply. And our services are there every Sunday and every Wednesday. Perfect. And yeah, LaShonda Dean's listening. And so she answered that as well. So thank you for that. Um, So how are you feeling about the future? I mean, as you see yeah. the future of y'all getting back into the building, yeah. um, you're going to stay online, I would imagine. So you'll keep doing both. And how yeah. do you see the growth and the potential from here? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. So, um, you know, our future is interesting because our future is dictated by the people who are stakeholders in our ministry and in our community. So we definitely have a very clear picture of where we think we're headed, but we always leave room for other people to add what they see because, um, you know, it has to be something that is built by, by those who can sustain it. So it's always a balance of, okay, this is what we see. Now let's, let's put this against our leaders and our stakeholders to see if it's matching what, what they're feeling, what they're discerning, what, what on the inside they feel is true. And so, um, I definitely see the future of us continue. We, we streamed online services before um, because we have people who's moved away and they want us to stay connected. I definitely see us continuing to invest in that way. What we've learned is there are some people who, uh, who they actually appreciate this method. Um, you know, sometimes you want someone to receive the way you receive. You want them to have value and appreciation for the way you receive. And that's just not how they are. You know, uh, they, they want a simpler experience and they and they want something that they have full control over. And uh, and I don't think anything's wrong with that. I think if you allow that to keep you closed minded, it can be a problem. But I think that if you're in a season of your life where you say, you know what, I want to receive ministry in a different way. Um, that I think the church needs to respond to that. We need to provide that so that we can um, continue to reach as many people as possible. So I, th- I see us continuing to invest and protect and steward online ministry um, because it's proven to be a need. And there's a lot of people that's gravitated towards it, new people that we weren't reaching before, quite frankly, um, who've gravitated toward it. And then I think when we get in person, I'm really unsure about that part, honestly, Jackie, because um, you know, this pandemic has exposed some things. And, and and the truth of the matter is that our church is predominantly African-American. And the African-American experience during the pandemic has been a very interesting one. You know, there's a lot of people who are still sick. There's a lot of people who are still ill. And uh, I don't know their sensitivity. And uh, I don't want us to be insensitive and, and, and make people feel weird or bad because they're not attending. Um, right. But there's also other people who are perfectly fine with attending and coming, and I don't want us to ignore their desires either. So it's going to be a transition back. It's crazy how two and a half months can literally cause you to change the culture and the mission of your organization. That baffles my mind. We've been in operation for 18 years, yet we may do things vastly different because of two and a half months. Two and a half months of the pandemic uh, can really change everything about your organization. So, so we're sensitively moving forward. We're understanding that we have to remain safe. 
But we're also wise enough to know that there are others that really need fellowship right now. They need community. And we would be wrong to not be sensitive towards that need and respond to it. So so we're trying to figure that out right now. I can't tell you that we have it perfect. Um, I have to be transparent with you. You know, I think we're figuring out just like other businesses are figuring out, just like restaurants, right, are figuring out, just like everybody's figuring out what does the next look like for us in person. Um, but I do know that virtually we're going to continue to steward that. And we're going to continue to take care of it. And that's probably going to forever be a part of what we do is online ministry. Um, and, and it's because we, we kind of see that it really helped a lot of people in this time. Right. I, I think that's great. Um, Rita yeah. Lassiter is, is listening. She said, my leadership Lafayette classmate. So proud to know you, Alex. Yeah. And Simone Antele, so yeah. proud of your leadership and your voice and the community. Yeah. Um, so anybody else who's watching or listening, please feel free. If you have questions for Alex, yeah. uh, you've got him on the spot. He's live. He has to answer. So yeah. throw it on up there and let's see what you've got to say. Yeah. So you talk about the 10 weeks that we've been in the pandemic and how yeah. that's changed the world. Let's talk about the 10 minutes. Come on. That has changed us. Yeah. Now we're in protest. We have, are watching the world embrace this change. Yeah. Talk to me about what that's been like for you. Yeah. It's been tough. It's been really tough. You know, um, it's it's never good to see um, evil and to see um, hardship and to see hatred. It's always a difficult experience. Um, it's always difficult to see pain. Um, I think the only thing more difficult than seeing hatred and pain is being forced to relive it year after year after year. And so it's been a very heavy moment for those that, uh, for me and for those that's in my circle that I have the privilege of knowing and hearing um, from um, on a very frequent basis. One thing, Jackie, that I've learned is that no one's processing this the exact same way, even though there's a lot of people that's showing up physically to the protests, um, that in the minds of all those people are very different worlds and reality that's going on. When they see injustice, it hits you. It's a personal feeling. It's a it's 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 like a pin that 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 gets to the heart of where you always had pain and it brings that pain up to the forefront. So while we all have a common pain, our pain is very specific to our past, very specific to what we endured, very specific. Um, I, I have the utmost respect and honor to the family of George Floyd, who've conducted themselves in manners of wisdom and respect in ways that I don't know if I could during this moment. Um, we pray for their family very frequently. Um, George Floyd has been on the lips of our ministry leaders and our partners and our prayer team um, countless days and countless hours. And I think that right now, more than ever, it is necessary. I don't want to encourage people to get on a space and do what they have not been called to do, what they are not prepared to do, or what they are not purposed to do. But I do want people to search within their hearts, to look within themselves and find out what am I able to do? If it's a call, if it's a text, if it's showing up, whatever it is, I do want to encourage people to do what you can do in this moment and in this season so that we can show a united front against injustice, against hatred and against pain. I do not want you to leave 
what you are talented in. I believe that you have that platform for a reason. I believe that you're engaged in the way you are for a reason. My question to you is how can you lean further into what you've already been blessed with to let those in your circle know about what's going on, how it makes you feel, and how they can use this moment to continue to support, give love, and advance a cause that can continue to eradicate anything that looks like injustice or racism in our society. So in a very long sentence, <laughs> that's how it's, it's, it's made me feel, Jack. I, I think your words are exactly what we need to hear right now, Alex. Anita Begno says, Alex, your insight is so important. And she's right. Um, I saw thousands of people peacefully assemble, um, united in Wasn't a cause. Wasn't that so beautiful? It what? was amazing. Beautiful. Amazing. I was so proud of Lafayette last weekend. Um, mm -hmm. And I felt like, you know, in, in watching a lot of the news reports, Lafayette showed up and showed out. And I was really glad. Let me tell you something, it's beautiful. And then I do want to say this because there was a lot of people who were there um, who, who, who publicly acknowledged that they were there through social. And there's a lot of people who were there that didn't publicly acknowledge that they were there on social. I do want to remind everyone that just because you may not see someone at something, it doesn't mean that they're not doing their part. Just because they don't post it on social doesn't mean that they didn't, they weren't there. Um, but I wanted to share that because you're right, it was so peaceful. And I want to make sure that that narrative is what remains, that, that that we focus on that fact that there were so many people that showed up. And guess what? Some of them didn't want it on social. Some of them aren't really social people, but they were there. And uh, so it was beautiful. It really, really was. I completely agree with you. It was right. so beautiful. Um, uh, growing up, we moved to Crankato for a little while, about 10 years, you know, and uh, it was closer to go to the Methodist church in Opelousas than the one in Lafayette. Yeah. And um, the uh, white Methodist church started services at nine and yeah. the African-American Methodist church started services at 930. So Come we on. went to the black church because, you Come know. On sleep. Um, <laughs> and we were the only white people there. And yeah. it was always fascinating to me every Sunday. And, and I think the minister addressed this regularly. And it always touched me that sometimes the most divided we are in this country is on Sunday mornings. And so I love what y'all have done to include yeah. the whole community and bring people together, because I think that's such an important part of your ministry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And listen, let me tell you something. It's not easy. It's not easy. And, and I'm not going to act like we're out here doing a great job because, I mean, it's 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 tough. You know, it's tough uh, in the South. You know, that's the reality. You know, the reality is while, you know, a lot of us have friends that look, um, you know, that are all of ethnicities, whether you're white, black, Mexican, Italian, whatever, whatever you are. Right. A lot of us have friends that have so many cultures that's viewed into their skin tones. Um, but the reality is that even those that share the same skin tone have very diverse experiences. So my experience is not going to be the same as someone else who's black that lives in Lafayette. My experience may not be the same as someone else who's black that works in church, right? There, there are so many diverse experiences, even with those that share the same skin tone. And so, um, so I do want to share that, you know, you know, some people, I tell you, y'all know people, you, you may not even realize it, but you know, people and just ask them, Hey, what has your experience been? What, what, what has it been? And, and, you know, I think, um, George, um, I, I'm so sad that, that it took him losing his life for us to have this conversation again. But, but I think that this moment requires us to have an overarching conversation, not just about police brutality, not just about the fact that so many police officers may do this and not really see, um, 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 um any judgment come from their actions, um, through the courts, but also, 
But there is a black experience that is true and that is real, that is happening every single day. And although we show up to rooms with people who don't look like us, although we do our best to put ourselves out in the best light with people who don't look like us, it takes a lot for us to do that consistently. And we don't really talk about it. We don't really go into it, but it is true. I promise you, if you talk and pick up the phone with one person that you know, one person of color, they will share to you the stories that it takes for them to do what may have been not as challenging. I am not taking away the challenges that uh, people of non-color have experienced, but I am saying that the challenges of people of color are very interesting and they are very delicate and it is tied to the years, years, (laughs) years of injustice that's been imbued upon our generations time and time again. And so, um, so it does my heart so good when I see our city be a model of how we can come together and show. And listen, I'm going to share this with you. And I don't even know if I'm going to be that popular by saying it, but I figure you know, why not? Um, but, but there's some communities that are not peacefully protesting. And I, I'm, I don't 100% I can't say that I would do the same thing that some of the individuals in those communities are. I'm not speaking against the hate groups that are trying to take this moment and turn into something that it isn't. But I am talking about those who are hurting, and I am talking about those that are rioting, and I am talking about those who are looting. Um, there, there is an issue with how some people were taken care of through this pandemic. There are some people who still didn't receive any type of stimulus. There are some people who were laid off of work and they weren't and they weren't furloughed from a job that had the ability to continue to pay them because the truth be told is probably some of them were getting paid under the table. That may be the truth, right? So 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 you had this tension that was already there, cooped up in the house, depriving them from connection. And then on top of this, we have this protest, this experience, this injustice that literally takes the world by storm. And yes, I say world because it's being reported and news outlets in other countries. It has taken the world by storm. You cannot expect to have a group of people who's already experienced a less than common um, reality and life in America and then have them walk through the pandemic that literally strangled their resources and and, and restricted it and then have them watch the injustice on, on, on that street with our brother and not see something interesting come out of it. And so I am not for it. That is not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you need to let them do whatever they want to do. But I am saying this isn't the time to to critique it. But this is the time to look within your own circle, look within your own circle and find out how can I just listen? How can I be of aid? How can I help? What can I do? How can I use my platform? How can I use my voice? What did God create me to do that only I can do? And how can I get in that and let change come from that moment? I don't want to criticize. There are so many people criticizing. I don't want to criticize anymore. I don't want to tell people that you're wrong for responding that way or you don't need to do this. No, no, no. Use your voice in the platform that you already have to extend the fact that we speak against the killing of George Floyd. We speak against the the shameless killing of those people of color. And we and we we ask for justice to be brought on and we continue to speak loud about it until it happens. And then we want to create a way within our community where the black experience, where equity can really be respected, 
where conversations can really happen. And then guess what? When a plan is created, it can really be implemented. Does that make sense? Am I making any sense here, Jackie? <laughs> oh, yes, Alex, you are making perfect sense. And I think yeah. what you're doing uh, and what you're saying echoes a conversation we've been having in our house, as I'm sure most families have been having around their dinner table, um, because it is all about how do we step up, each yeah. one of us? How yeah. can we make our corner of the world a better place? Yeah. And yeah, that should yeah. be our goal always. It should be. It should be. It really should be our goal always. You're so true. And something that something that continues to aggravate me <laughs> and annoy me and irritate me <laughs> is when I see a plan be created but never get implemented. I can't stand it. I can't stand seeing plans and processes and so much energy be put into plans, but nothing actually happens. And if I had to be real with you, my fear is that we put so much energy and passion into the plan, but nothing happens. I don't, I don't want that to be the story here. I want there to be a day where we can look back and be like, man, you remember when we had that pandemic and that protest, but out of it, this thing was created and it's helped people. I want that to be the rhetoric that we talk about a year or two from now. But to do that, it requires people to really, really look within and really, really see how can they in their own corner, like you said, do their part and create some change. Right. Well, my 20 year old said it yesterday. He's like, the world is forever changed now. And I'm mm -hmm. like, yes. And it's going to continue to evolve and change. But we have to keep it heading in the right direction. Yeah. Because it's going to keep moving. But how does it move is what's determined. And I think what's so important is, you know, what I started hearing early in the pandemic was we may all be in the same storm, but we're not in the same boat. Ooh, and I think that's good. But that's what you just said about this protest. <laughs> yeah. That's what it is about people that's who it. face injustice and that's the it. hardships of life and the challenges that's of right. the, the skin they're born into and the neighborhood they're born into and the families they're born into. OK, so we're not all in the same boat. What do we do about it? That's right. That's right. That's right. No, you're right. And and I mean, and you're right. We're not all on the same boat. Not all of our boats are made the same. Not all of us have the same amount of people that's driving the boat. Right. Some of us have more people in our boat than others. Some of our some of our even you know even in the black community, some of our boats are more built than others. Like like it's 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 so complex. Uh, and I mean, listen, it has to be. We're talking about decades of injustice. We're talking about generations of of there being movement, but but not really. And here's the man. I'm just going to keep talking. I don't know. Bring I it. You have an hour. Keep going. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. We we focus so much nationally. We focus so much nationally. And my dear brothers and sisters, the big change happens locally. What affects your day to day happens locally. <laughs> we, 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 we pay attention to, to the regional stuff and to the national stuff and to the global stuff. But what affects your day to day, what really gets down into how you feel when you pull into your driveway, how you feel when you shop at your grocery store, how you feel when you're driving down the street, what do the roads feel like in the neighborhoods you live in? That is local change. It's local. It's local. But we put so much energy 
into the national rhetoric. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't speak to it. I'm not saying that it shouldn't trickle down, but I am saying that a lot of our rhythms of life that needs to change is going to start locally. It starts at our kitchen table. Yeah. If you do the right things at your kitchen table, that is going to change your world. That's good. You can add, you can use that on Sunday. I'll give you (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but seriously, it, it, it seriously is a necessary thing. And that's why people have to continue to be a part of the processes that can create change. I'm talking about voting. I'm talking about whenever you have an exit interview at your company, don't think that that exit interview doesn't need the documentation of what your experience was like. You need to document what your experience was like at that company because a lot of those companies take those and do something with it. You need to be vocal about when your experience is not the same. I cannot tell you, Jackie, I cannot tell you how many rooms I have been in where I am the only person of color there. I don't try to do it. I don't try to make it happen, but guess what? It happens and I'm not the only one that it happens to. We are a minority for a reason because we're the minority there. So I understand the reality of the demographic breakdowns of the community we're living in. So I'm not for those of you that's out there saying like, oh, of course, you're going to be the only one. You know, there's only, you know, one black person for every four. White. Like, I'm not trying to argue about the demographic breakdowns of the community we live in. I right. get that. But what I am saying is that it's going to take a little bit more for those people. And, and whenever they speak up, value it because it represents so many and because they can't show in numbers. We can't show in numbers. We try. We really, really try. We really try hard to, but we can't show in numbers like we really desire to because we are simply the minority. But if we're going to get to a place where we have equity, we're going to get to a place where it's equal, it's an equal playing ground, then locally we got to give more voice, more uh, attribute. um, um, I can't even think about the word. (laughs) We We have to give more is what I'm saying when those voices speak up and they're at the table. And so I want to thank you to everyone who's created a space for, for, for a minority, who's, who's reached out to their friend, who's, who's called, who's had the conversation. You know, Facebook right now is filled with all the people who's saying like, listen, I can't begin to understand. I can't begin to understand. I can't begin to understand. I think that's also great. I think that's beautiful. I, I, what I want to encourage some of you guys to do is to discontinue communicating how you can't begin to understand and start asking questions. Just, just, I appreciate you telling me you don't understand. I appreciate you telling me that you can't begin to understand. But I think now is the time for you to start asking questions. And listen to the answers. And, 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 and listen, that, that not, now is the time. Not, now is the time. You say, well, Alex, I, I didn't have a chance to write my post. It's okay. Go in your text and, and ask, like, hey, tell me what, what, what has this experience been for you locally? locally. And, and we start to have this conversation locally. And then from there, we can start to see some things move. And, and I believe that it can really start to change some things. Like you said, it, it can be really be powerful if we let it start. Well, I think you make the point about local, and I think it all does start at home and in our communities. And that starts with economics too, right? Where yeah. we spend our money That's good. determines how businesses are going to grow. And That's I think good. we saw that start with the pandemic. There was yeah. a big push to spend money locally, to keep the money in the community, to help yeah. local restaurants survive yeah. the pandemic. Well, yeah. the same thing with the protest. Spend yeah. your money locally and support local businesses, especially businesses run by people of color, because yeah. that's how we're going to help everybody have equal opportunities. Yeah, 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 that's good. And and I mean something to your to your to your notion. I mean, you know, the Northgate Mall was on this this jettison um of a renaissance and it was really beautiful to see 
just so many people start from where they are. You know, I, I remember reading a post one time on Facebook that said, um, you know, I went to the I went to the store, the Nord Gay Mall, but but you know, I don't know if I could shop there anymore because when I went there, you know, their hours said that it should be open, but no one was there, and you know, but I don't know, you know, and I, and I I wanted to just say like, hey. They're doing the best they can. I, I do believe that we got to step up sometimes. Like some of our people just kind of go in and be like, hey, this is good enough. So I do believe we need to help them have good integrity. I, I believe that. But I am, I am also saying that the, the the level, the field, the playing field is not the same. It's not level for everybody. So it will take a little bit more patience. It will take some grace, the same grace that a lot of, of your um, um, fathers and grandfathers experienced when they first opened up their business that a lot of um, my friends are now having the ability to run and lead and to Today, well, guess what? Now, what what your family experienced two generations ago, there's a new family person of color that's experiencing that today. And your grace, your understanding, your appreciation, your patience can allow them to go on to create generational wealth for their family, like this community did for yours two or three generations before. And so, I'm, I'm glad you made that point about supporting local and supporting color. I think it's very important um, that we're mindful and we're thoughtful about that. You say, Alex, why? I just want to get up. I just want to go to the store. And I just want to think. And listen, I'm not going to say that I'm the best at it. I, I, I listen. I am not trying to push that I am good at any of this stuff. I'm not. I, I, I get. Up, I wake up. I pray my wife still loves me as much as she did the day before. <laughs> even if I didn't cook the meal, you know, even if I didn't smother the pork chops all the way down, right? You know, I'm praying that she's there. I'm praying that my boys don't hit me because they're two and they're one. You know, listen, I'm doing the best that I can. Okay, I'm doing, and but I think that's the thing, right? You do the best that you can, but some of us know we're not doing the best that we can, right? Like you, some of us know that, right? And so I'm just saying, look within yourself. And you get a re recommit to yourself. I'm going to do the best that I can to advance some things, even if you know I don't have to. None of us have to. We don't. We don't have to do a lot, but but it's good for us as a community if we do it. And so I'm, I'm really hoping that people recommit. And I'm, I'm praying for justice. I'm praying that people continue to use their voice. I'm praying that 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 a, that a true plan can come. And I'm praying that we implement something and something changes. On the other side of this, that's that's my prayer. That's that's what's in my prayer closet. Every night. I think we're making changes. Uh, I think yeah. the conversations are good. Jessica Harva says, "Ask, don't assume." Alex, you're so insightful, and she's right. It's uh, and you're right. As long as people keep asking those questions and listening to the answers, we can affect change mm -hmm. through our choices and yeah. the parts we can control. And yeah. so, as long as we focus on those three C's, we will leave the world a better place than we got it. Well, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll leave it better, and then we will start to undo what wasn't the good for all. Now, that for some of you, that, that may be hard to digest uh, because I understand how there's a system that worked for some. I get that. It, it did work and uh, for some. It even worked for some people of color, so I'm not even trying to, like, paint this picture that it, it only worked for a certain group. But, but, but we do need to look at the fact that it didn't work for everyone. Okay. And 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 so now we will leave the world a better place, but we will also create something that does a better job working for everyone. And uh, and it's, it starts in your corner. It starts in your job. It starts by helping your boss see that we need to look at the applicant pool again. You know, it, start, it starts by helping your coworkers see that, you know, maybe we need to call that contractor in again. You know, um, it, it starts it's, it starts by just really just being thoughtful um, and uh, and just, you know, making sure that we're doing the best that we can every single day.
Um, and listen, I'm not saying anything that's brand new. There are so many people, so many people in this community right now who are smarter than me, who have more experience in this than me, who've been doing this longer than me. I honor them. I salute them. And they've been at this so much better. I promise you, their responses probably can beat mine in the dust every single day. <laughs> you know, I've been trying to do the best that I can, but I, but I think it's, I think it's a thing, right? We just need to do the best that we can every day. And for some of you, you guys have so much in you, man, your platforms are so huge. Your purpose is so big. Your, your, your footprint of what you do in this world is so large that there, that there's that when we say the best you can do, um, that's a lot for some of you, that means a lot. And so I'm just asking you to, Think about that. Like, what does that mean for me, and how do I how do I do something about it? Are there some future conversations that once we can all gather in the same space or even online that we start having that maybe y'all facilitate or other community leaders have already started talking about facilitating, so that we can fix our community first, right? Local, that's the focus. And so, how can we help each other do that? Is there are there gathering places? Are you hearing talk of what's next? Yeah, um, it's so interesting uh, that you that you ask that question. I we have a pool full of very um, thoughtful and passionate leaders in our city. I am sure that there are discussions that are being planned behind closed doors right now. I am sure of it. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. As much as I can breathe this air, I am sure because we have a lot of people that care about not only this topic but about this community. We have a lot of people that care. I mean, that's one of the reasons why you'll see in the middle of a pandemic, we still gonna figure out how our kids get fed. You know, right. like we, there's a lot of people that care about this community. And there's a lot of people of color who do a wonderful job of leading and encouraging other people to use their voice. So I am more than sure that there will be a space in some way to have a conversation that can help people ask questions, find out the answers, and then go back into their world and do something with the information that they've learned. Good. I mean, yeah. I think that's what it's got to be. And I bet Ashley Mudd is, is furiously typing up an agenda right now. I bet there's a leadership <laughs> program coming out of this, right? Don't you see it? I can see it. I can see her. She has to know her is to know like she has notebooks and notes. and none of Right. That. She's got a journal. She's making oh, a list. God. Let me tell you something. That girl's so much more organized than I am. But yes, yes, I'm sure, you know, there's something. But yeah, I think there's a lot of spaces that, um, that will be created, some big, some small, some public, some private. Um, I think that's what it's about. I don't think all spaces should be created equal. I think we need to create these different spaces that allow people in different levels and different experiences to feel comfortable enough to come and to just share, right? We just we just need to talk, man. And it's so hard to talk. It's so hard because because man, we just we get emotional at times and we get and some I can hear right now, I'm not emotional. I'm not emotional. <laughs> But it's okay. It's okay to be. That's the thing. It's not. It's not bad. Okay. It's okay. It's a part of who we are. You know. Don't let it. Don't let it guide you. But know what it is. Know. Know what your emotions are. Know what your emotions are. And so. And so those moments are going to happen where we get passionate, and uh, and we start. You know. Um, we don't. We don't like to say fighting. So in church, we'll be like, Oh, I didn't fight with my spouse. I had a passionate disagreement. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're gonna have the passionate disagreements, right? It's a part of the process. It's a part of it. Um, but we have to be open to it and we got to be okay. And it's, and it's just learning and it's hearing and we can't walk away offended. And I can't believe, and how could you do that? Well, to hold on a minute, just, just let them talk. Okay. And then come back, take that in, meditate on it. Okay. If you're a person of faith, I hope you are pray about it. Right. And then allow yourself to be led into what happens next based on what you've learned. Right. Right. Alex, what event has most shaped who you are now? 
what event? Whoa, that's a whoa. Oh, I'm gonna sip a water on that. <laughs> Let me see here. Ah. Hmm, that's a mm-hmm. really good question. What event has shaped me the most? What event? What event? What event? Probably. Um, is it y'all moving to Lafayette? Is it you being called to the church? Do you want me to answer for you? Your <laughs> own answer. I would say that um, you know, in in 1998 and 1999, we lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was only you know, I was I was young when we were there, um, but I, I felt a, a connection to that city. That um, that that definitely changed me, you know, in a way that I can't, I don't even have the words to articulate. And leaving that um, was very traumatic for me as a child. And uh, it's just like you know, you know, kids, you know, you form friendships and partnerships. You don't realize it, but it's but it's important, and and you don't know that it's as big as it is until you get past it. And you're like, dang, that thing over there, that was really really huge. And so leaving that and having to come into an area that was so different. Um, you know, my first time being in an all-black school was in fifth grade. You know, up until then, I was I was used to being the only black kid in the classroom. You know, ever you know, and that's because they had to they had to separate us. They had to make it look diverse. And so, in a in a class of twenty in fourth grade, you had your you know you had your one black guy, you had your one black girl, you had your one Indian girl, you had your one Asian guy, and then the rest you know were were, were white. And so. Um, and so my first experience, some emerge into that into that into that world was was in fifth grade, the latter part of fifth grade, and um, and and the transition caused me to have to figure out a way to relate to people because I had a background that was different. But I'm coming into a world where other people were there longer than me; they know more about this than me. But I still got to figure a way to ingratiate myself and to create um, um, friendship and camaraderie. And, and I think that that transition forced me at a young age figure out how to adapt, how to learn, how to grow, how to thrive, how to be, how to get friendship, how to form partnership. And so that's probably what um, that event probably you know has the most to do with with me now. I'm sure. I made the same transition as a junior yeah. in high school uh, yeah. from a all-girls school class of 32 people to yeah. Lafayette High with 380 Ooh. people. Yeah. 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 I, I hear you. We can share stories <laughs> later. That's quite the yeah. culture shock. It is. Seriously. It yeah. is. Not understood. Yeah. You're constantly questioned. You're right. Constantly teased. Right. But yet, you still got to figure it out. Right. Right. And yeah. it's a good chance to grow up and learn uh, where you fit and, and how different people are. And you learn to um, understand other people and yeah. accept other people. Yeah. Um, all right. We are into the lightning round. Okay. Last card. You ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Favorite place on earth. Favorite. That's an easy one. Favorite place on earth is next to my wife. Fair there you home. go. <laughs> Movie you cannot turn off. Movie I cannot turn off the Family Man Nicholas Cage. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good. One. Um, I know the answer already, but TV show to binge watch. The Office. Of course it is. Uh, <laughs> favorite book. Favorite book. Um. <laughs> so the first thing that came to my mind, easy, the Bible. But that's what me- I thought you'd say. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the Bible, but 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 for, for you know for for friends, you know, I would probably say um, my my second favorite book is very interesting. Some of my friends are black, 
Oh, that's a good choice. Yes. Very good choice. Yes. Yes. Favorite podcast. Favorite podcast is the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. He's Ooh. a I'm not sure if you've heard of Carrie Newhoff before. Mm-hmm. And so he's a very good one. He's a guy I follow. He's a leader in um, in the faith world, but he does a really a ton of good job. And Craig O'Shell, he has a leadership podcast. Any leadership podcast, I'm down for. That's good. Favorite yeah. car. Favorite car. So my first car was a Chevrolet Impala. Oh. I had a black interior, white exterior. Um, and so I would probably say that's still my favorite car if you had to talk about when I own. And just out there in the world, my mm-hmm. favorite vehicle is a Jeep. I love a Jeep. It's my that's my dream vehicle. If I can get a Jeep, black, black rims, I would love that. Like Wrangler doors off, top yes. down. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Michael will give you a ride one day. That's what he's yeah. driving right now. He oh, loves yeah. it. I love it. I love he it. loves it. It's his favorite car ever right now. I can't wait. I can't wait. Favorite festival. Favorite festival. You know, um, I okay, I'm so I'm going to um, my favorite festival. My favorite festival is probably okay. So there's a festival I went to in New Orleans called the Soul. Um, man, I forgot the name. It wasn't the jazz. It was. It was like essence. A, was it that, essence festival? No, no, no. This no. was like a a twenty five hundred person festival. Small. Okay. It was a very small one. Um, and ton of jazz. Um, ton of hip hop. Ton of soul. Uh, um, all all people of color were the food vendors. Um, I forgot the name of it. I went to it in New Orleans. It was very, very cool. Um, but there's really something really cool about a small, intimate festival. You meet friends, you meet new people. The music's interesting because it's all underground people. Mm-hmm. That was probably the, my favorite festival. Now Anita has gotten out her journal and she's thinking new festival for Lafayette. Look, Making look, notes. Look, look, Downtown's about to have that festival. Look, and I thought I was like, man, I want to say Festival International because I'm local, <laughs> but I have to say like my favorite one is the one I went to. I want the right answer. So that's yeah, a good one. Yeah. Um, favorite musician. Favorite musician right now. It's a, um, a girl by the name of Naomi Rain. Okay. Um, she is, um, she's a, a worship leader, um, but she sings very authentic songs, just very true songs about the reality of living and uh, and trying to um, give honor to a God that you that you don't know, that you can't touch, can't feel, but yet you're trying to be the best part of yourself every day. And so um, I'm really, really interested in Naomi Rain right now. What style is it? More pop, rock, singer-songwriter? Uh, it's, it's like soul. It's Christian, okay. but it's soul. It's sure. so very, very acoustic. She has a guitar. Um, and but very acoustic, and uh, she does a ton of unplugged sessions. Ooh, I like I'm that. really, I'm really, I'm really vibing to Naomi Ray. I like that. Yeah. Um, so you're on stage in front of the mic at karaoke. Mm-hmm. What are you singing? Uh, don't stop believing. <laughs> Journey, you're gonna bring out some Journey. All right. Yes, yes. I'll yes. take it. I'll take it. Um, yes, yes. Favorite meal. Favorite meal. Yeah. What's your last supper? What's your your meal? Um, so pork bone, I don't okay. know what it is, pork bone, oh, yeah. white beans. Oh yeah. Anybody that knows me, I love a rice and gravy. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you how much I love a rice and gravy. I don't, need, I don't need a side. You smother a chicken, you smother a rib, you smother a steak, you smother a pork chop, and you make a gravy with that, you put that over a bed of white rice, that's all I need. I don't need a side. <laughs> Dinner at the Lazards, I'm on my way. That's um, it, that's how it. How do you treat yourself? 
How do I treat myself? Honestly, serious? Yes, yes. Binge watching The Office. <laughs> That's really how I treat myself these days. I'll be real with you. That's actually how I treat myself in, in, in light of not being able to go nowhere. Before, I would probably order out from Tsunami, um, mm-hmm. an order of Country Roll, John Bro Roll, mm-hmm. um, some um, the eggplant, and some edamame. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had lunch there yesterday for a new employee. It would make yeah. me so happy. Yes, 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 yes. So yeah. we've been doing waiter from two hours. There you go. Um, yeah. Alex Lazard, our, our hour is almost up. I mm-hmm. uh, I want to give you a chance for some last words and just to sure. tell you how much I appreciate your time, your yeah. insight, your heart, your view on the world, uh, the guidance that you're giving to others, and the way you're leading us all in these new times. It is inspirational and necessary. Wow. Wow. Well, that's a that's a super tall order. But I thank you for this platform, Jackie. I thank you for doing what you can. You see, this is the best you can do. I think that's the whole theme of the conversation is to look within yourself, look within your resources, look within what God has blessed you with and really ask yourself, what is the best I can do? And then do it. Um, I think I really want people to just know that um, just really think about that. Ask a ton of questions um, that and and then also, you know, not all black experiences are the same experiences. So just because you hear one person tell theirs, it does not mean that that describes another's. And uh, it's 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 a very interesting conversation to have, but it's one that's necessary if we're going to be better. And uh, and then the last thing I definitely want to ask people is vote, vote, vote vote, vote, be interested in local elections, be interested in who's representing you, be interested in who's talking about you when it's time for bills to come out, be interested in who's advocating for you, be interested, be interested, be interested. I know it's hard. Be interested. It's necessary, though. That's how we're going to make the change here locally. That's what it's all about. Alex, thank you for your time. Thank you for being a part of Razor Branding Podcast. I cannot thank you enough. Um, It's crazy that we scheduled this a couple weeks ago and the timing just worked out so perfectly because your message is what everybody needs to hear today. It did. I appreciate you, Jackie. Thank you. I appreciate you, Alex. And thank you to everyone who watched and listened and has been a part of it and continues to share and ask questions and help um, us all understand not just the pandemic pivot that we're all going through, but also the protests and how that's affecting us all and what we can learn and grow through that. So thank you all for your time. And please come back next time. We have Gus with Social Entertainment, who's going to talk about the pandemic pivot for his 19 businesses. I think he's running right now uh, and talk to us about what that life is like for him now that everything is kind of on hold. Thank you. When the day is through.